We are looking at the first 13 verses of chapter 3. In the book of Ephesians. Following the reading of the word of God. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief, by referring this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart in my tribulation on your behalf, for they are your glory. Father, we come now to search your book, to drink deep of the well of eternal life, and to peer into the heavenlies of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, You who spoke existence into being. Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear. Father, as we read these letters from missionaries around the world and see the power of an awesome God moving, let our souls be stirred that we may step boldly into the battle and that, Father, our lives would be the testimony of our salvation and the power of our Redeemer. We love you. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. What I'm doing here in this section, Paul kind of gets bigger on statements that he made in chapter 2 on this mystery. And what is this mystery revealed? I, I am convinced that the average Christian today, at least in the United States, hasn't got a handle on this thing yet. That we are one. I have been blessed to travel internationally, and you see the conflict between the quote-unquote religions. I remember going into an Orthodox church in Tbilisi, and I had my hands in my pocket. And I was just looking around, and I, it was... Ugh. You know, they kept telling me how old it was, and I was like, yep, there's no doubt in my mind it's that old. And you guys might want to get a bucket of paint or something and see if you couldn't lighten it up a little bit. But... The priest come up to me and push me. And I was like, well, buddy, I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't speak your language. I'm about to fix this. And he made me pull my hands out of my pocket. And so I asked the guy who was with us, what, what's that about? He says, it's a holy place and you can't have your hands in your pockets. 
And I was like, well, I didn't have my hands in his pockets. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. What's the matter with you people? Okay, so, but that's the way they are. And, I'm, and I kept thinking, well, you say you love the same God that I love. You love the same Savior that I love. And yet, what's going on? Okay, so I, I share that because there are times that you and I, uh, especially in this country, it just kind of, we go with it. All right, and yet we, in our fallenness, in, inevitably want to put up barriers. You know, uh, are you a Baptist? Are you a Presbyterian? Are you a Methodist? Are you a, you know, a, you know, are independent? Are you non-denominational? And, and, and I, what does that mean? I remember a Jewish couple that came for a while here were thrilled to death with what we were doing here. He was a relief for Dane because he worked on PC. And so he kept playing with my computer. And, and I said, now, if you mess this thing up and I can't find my way around it again, uh, I don't care if you are Jewish. But, but he would come in with his uh, thing on his head. I always call him a Yamaha, and that's not what they are. But anyway... He'd have that thing on there. And then one day he says, well, well we found a Jewish congregation uh, somewhere up in Denver. And he says, they're all complete Jews. And I was like, uh, uh, I said, uh, well, I'm a complete Gentile. He says, I know. He says, but, you know, th- this is a Messianic congregation. Oh, wait a minute. We're a Messianic congregation. Okay, but see what he just did? He put up a barrier because I'm Jewish and you're a Gentile. Okay. But you see, these are the kinds of things that we put up, and I don't know why we do that. Now listen, I want to be qualified on this. If they're teaching false doctrine, I'm not unified with you. Okay, I, I want you to understand that. It doesn't, it's not, just because someone says, I are a Christian... Do not make it a Christian. Alright? Because you sit in a church does not make you a Christian. You can stand in your garage and you're not a Buick. So I want you to understand that. I know people who attend church that I doubt if I'm going to see on the other side of the pearly gates. Okay? And I I, I want us to understand, if they're teaching error, I will confront them on teaching error. I do it in two different ways. If you're in leadership and you're in error, I don't pull any punches. Okay? If you're young and maybe you just don't know any better, I will be long-suffering with you. But if you're in leadership, you believe you've got it figured out, you'd better have it figured out. Okay? Not many of you should be teachers, as James says, for theirs is a greater... Judgment. Alright? So, when I think about the oneness that the Apostle Paul is talking about, he uses the phrase, in him. Or he'll use the term, in Christ. Because he understood that that oneness is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is manifested today on the planet Earth and what you and I know as the church. I've traveled internationally, and we are the only people that I've run into who calls this building the church. Everywhere else I go, they call it a house of prayer. 
And you and I are the church. Okay? The church, the word in the Greek is ekklesias. Okay? The called out ones. Okay? We translate it the church. Alright? And we meet in a house of prayer. Or as we saw in Pastor Philip, somebody's kitchen. Alright? But the church is all the people who are sitting there. Alright? We looked in verses 1 through 4 that the Apostle Paul was a prisoner. This message that he was sharing on oneness, he was willing to go to prison for. He will later be executed for it. Because there's always been a bitterness between the Jews and the Gentiles. Always, throughout history. Alright? But then he started showing us the plan of the mystery in verses 5 and 6. 5... It gives you a definition of the mystery. What is a mystery? And then six, he explains it. All right. Verse five, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. You know what that means? Nobody knew this. All right. There were little glimmers of it, but you would have never put it together without the New Testament. Okay, Old Testament is before the cross, New Testament is after the cross. Old Testament is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. New Testament turns the light on so you see the detail. Alright, here's what he says. Other generations have not made known to sons of men, but now... Has been revealed. Okay, what he means by that word, it's aorist voice, which means that thing happened one time forever. There's not ongoing revelation. It is now. Okay? It is now. And it was affirmed. Okay? It was now been revealed, and it was revealed how? Now, in the aorist, Okay, right now, one time, how? His holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. All right? Holy is the word set apart. That's what it means. Set apart. When we say God is holy, what does that mean? He's set apart. You know what that means? He's not like us. <laughs> He's not from this neighborhood. All right? He is not bound by time. He knows all. He knows the hearts of men. Okay? He knows who's His. Alright? That's holy. But He says here, Apostle. Apostolon and prophetes. Apostle. Very unique. When you see holy apostles, holy prophets, they're very unique. They're separate. Remember the word now. Revealed to His holy apostles. Holy prophets. The word apostles, apostolon, is a messenger. It's just a messenger. The best illustration that I could give you that you could kind of get a handle on what this is would be like an ambassador for a country. You go to another country as an ambassador, you are representing that country that sent you. An apostle was, is a messenger who was sent by the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Okay? But he also says, holy prophets. Alright? Did you know that there were prophets in the New Testament? I've heard people tell me that the last great prophet was John the Baptist. 
And I smile at him with my effervescent smile and my wonderful encouragement. And I says, I think you just hurt Agabus's feelings. And I won't even get into Philip's daughters. Okay. All right. A prophet are speakers for God. Okay. Now listen. I'm talking about now it's revealed for this specific time. Holy apostles and holy prophets. Now there is a gift of prophecy. All right. I have the gift of prophecy. Right. All that is, is preaching. Publicly proclaiming. That's it. It wasn't until the 1300 it had anything to do with telling the future. Okay. The Old Testament prophets would have what you call near far prophecies. I'm speaking for God and I would look at him and say, prove it. Because see, it's just like the Apostle Paul. How could I test the Apostle Paul to see if he's of God? Because I ain't got no Bible to test him on. He's in the process of writing. When you get done with that, could you hold it up? Oh, never mind. But you see what I'm trying to get at? So they had the ability to do miracles, signs and wonders. Why? Well, that's just not your average thing. Although I heard that there is a, a miracle school in Kansas City. There's still the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of prophecy. But please understand emphatically, it is not revelatory. All right. I didn't get up this morning and God spoke a word to me. I've been working on these notes for months. So he didn't speak to me. I didn't. Yes, dear, I'm coming. That ain't how it works. I study to show myself approved, rightly dividing truth that I may proclaim it. There are no prophets opening their mouths and uttering divine revelations. If you run into one who claims that he is uttering divine revelations, I will give you the classic response, flee. Don't waste your time. Alright? I will show you in chapter 2, verse 20, what does it say? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. You know what that means? The holy apostles and the holy prophets were for what? For the foundation. Okay, we're 2,000 years out. You think we've gotten beyond foundation? Well, I hope so, because we're still doing the foundation. We've got problems. All right? So when you, you think about the office of apostle and the office of prophet... It was for the foundation of the church. Okay? When the foundation is done, what happens to the apostles and prophets? I showed you two weeks ago that even the apostles, as the church started getting its doctrine squared away, began calling themselves what? Elders. John called himself an elder. Peter calls himself 
an elder. They were in the leadership. Their original calling was the foundational doctrine of the church. Once the foundation was laid and men started taking the appropriate role of leadership, pastor, elders. Once that started happening, then the apostles' work was done. So was the prophets' work. Okay? So they've passed from the laying of the foundation. Now, I want to give you an interesting note. I, I dealt in depth last two weeks ago with the apostles. When apostles spoke, okay, all the apostles, when they spoke, they were kept from error. Did you know that? There are no erroneous apostles. All right? They were called by the resurrected Christ. All right? Being called by the resurrected Christ keeps them from error. I will lead you in all truth. All right? They spoke the revelation of God, and Christ kept them from error. Okay? Guess what? The prophets didn't have that promise. Did you understand that? Interesting thing, I was kind of wandering around aimlessly. Some people call it hunting, but I was just wandering around aimlessly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others pass judgment. Verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by another, so that all may learn... And all may be exhorted. Basically what Paul's telling the Corinthian church is, let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the other prophets. See, all of you prophets need to check on each other. I know a lot of good preachers. Some of them I wouldn't waste my time talking to or listening to. The prophets needed to make sure that they had the message straight and right. You also find that the uh, prophets, other than difference than the apostles, is that they spoke on practical things. Agabus. He spoke of a famine that was coming and that we need to get ready for it. He also spoke on what was going to happen to Paul when he went to Jerusalem. Okay, I look at the prophets, my personal way, I would call this the guys who give application. They've got the doctrine of the apostle, they bring it out and they share it with the people on how does the doctrine apply to you. How knowing God applies to my life. The the day-to-day things that I have to deal with. Apostles gave the theology. The prophets made it apply. 
Right? Both the apostles and both the prophets had special revelations from God because they're laying the foundation that you and I stand on this day. Alright? Years of laying the foundation of God's great truth to the church. Please remember, at the birth of the church, there was no understanding in the beginning. Remember, where did the church start? Where was the instant church started? Jerusalem. And its membership was completely. All right? And even the apostle Peter struggled with Gentiles getting saved. Alright? Even at one point, the Apostle Paul confronted him because he'd be friends to the Gentiles until a Jew showed up. And Paul confronted him to his face. It was done then, and it was now revealed. There was a point of action in the past, and it was then... And only then. The foundation was laid. On top of that came the evangelist, the pastor teacher, and the elders. And that's where we're at today. This group of holy apostles and holy prophets was a special group. It's a special, it was official, it, it was an office. Okay? Holy apostles. Holy prophets. And God had given, gave them the amazing, never known message before. That Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. Greek and barbarian. And this message had been hidden for all eternity. Remember Jonah? Everybody know Jonah? I call him the fish bait prophet. Okay, why did he decide he was going to run from God? Because God wanted him to go to preach to who? The Ninevites. Are they Jew or Gentile? Gentile. And if you go read through history, the Ninevites are some nasty people. You know the cornerstone that they'll build in a, a building and they'll put a cornerstone in the corner of it, and it's. You know, sometimes they'll put a time capsule in it and all the rest of it. You know what the Ninevites used to do? Take a newborn baby and put it in a box and put it in the corner. And that was normal for them. Okay? They have some sick puppies. I don't care what anybody says. All right? Jonah was smart enough to know that if God wants me to go preach to the Ninevites, God's want me to do one thing, and they're going to come to repentance and I don't want them. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. This incredible message that we are one in Christ. And it's defined in that mystery in verse 5. Okay. Now he explains that mystery in verse 6. Let's look at verse 6. Okay. In my translation, New American Standard, it says, to be specific. Okay. If you've got, mine's New American Standard. If it says, to be specific. It's in italics, right? Okay. 
That means if it's in italics, it's not in the original manuscripts. Okay? So, you can read this, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, that the Gentiles... Our fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Alright? So, he says, the Gentiles are with you. Alright? Now, we add it in our language to be specific. Why? Because he had a broad-based statement on it in chapter 2. Now he's going to be specific. And how specific is he? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not adding heresy to your Bibles. It's just making it English. Alright? That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay? Fellow heirs, same body, partakers, and it all comes how? Through the gospel. People ask me, what's the gospel? If you could summarize it. Oh, that's easy. Genesis to Revelations. Well, but that's... No, the gospel is that Matthew, Mark, Luke... And, no. Genesis to Revelations. Why? You got to know who God is first. Once you know who God is, then you realize, Oh, wretched man that I am. Then you get the good news. See, the good news is really good, but you've got to have the bad news first. Alright? Because it's not that good a news if you don't think you're bad. And I've asked this to people. Uh, usually when I have young people come to me, uh, and what I mean by young people, <laughs> my age, everybody's a young people. <laughs> but, but when they come to me, kids come to me, they, they say, well, I want to get baptized, I, I, want to get, I want to be saved, I want to be this. And I ask them a question, everyone has the same question. What's the question? You're a sinner? Simple question. Are you a sinner? Because if you're not a sinner, you don't need to be saved. Right? And usually, depending on the age, I've, now listen, that's not, I've had some that says, yes, that's why I need Jesus. You're like, oh man, I know pastors who don't know that. But, but I, I share that because a lot of times a child will say, well no, I haven't done anything wrong. Just did. <laughs> I don't tell the kids that. <laughs> Both Christine and Nicole are going, no, just kidding. <laughs> He's a mean man. Okay? Gentiles, because of this mystery revealed, are fellow heirs. We are of the same body. We are partakers of the same promise. And it is of the gospel. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, Paul was still fascinated with that when he wrote the letter to the Romans. Why? Because it just freaked him out. When you see him in heaven, ask Paul, did that freak you out? You ask him, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. Vladislav, our missionary in Baku, Azerbaijan. I've read some of his letters. I actually got one on my desk. I'll read it next week. 
He's Ukrainian. Okay? And he was in Donetsk. You know where Donetsk is? That's where the Russians are bombing the Ukrainians and vice versa. Remember the plane that was shot down flying from the Netherlands to evidently Ukraine? It was outside of Donetsk. Okay? He was a pastor. He had a church in Donetsk. All right? Uh, and he had to flee for his life. He's, uh, he's got a, some type of handicap. I can't. Um, they, they don't call him the same thing that we call him. Okay, it, it's almost like a cerebral palsy, an adult cerebral palsy. They call it palsy. Okay, but it, it, it's not. He walks with those uh, crutches that have a thing around your wrist and you kind of. He gets around. I mean, he, he'll get it. But his big fear was that the churches in that part of eastern Ukraine are blended. Okay? You have Ukrainians and you have Russians. Now you have the Russians shooting at the Ukrainians. What does the church do? Okay? You know what they did? They're one in Christ. They would send them out in pairs, a Russian with a Ukrainian, and they'd go into the combat zone and they would take food to the people who had taken shelter, and they'd take care of them. But Vladislav told me, he says, requires much prayer. Because still a tension there. It's very critical today. Okay. Nobody's shelling us right now. And we're supposed to say thank you, Lord. But I want you to think about it from this perspective. No one is not acceptable in the fellowship. All right? It doesn't matter even the most vile has a right to eat at your table. Okay? Now, I've run into a few of them that I had to get them in the shower first. And then you can eat. Because I can't eat. And, yeah, nothing personal, but... Woofta. Okay? That's what it means. We are one. I want you to think about the animosity that exists today. Pretty insane, isn't it? Same way it was then. You know what that means? Man is consistent. Yet the body of Christ is united. He makes a statement there that you are fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of Christ by the gospel. Okay, Three things Paul lays out there to show what this mystery is. One, fellow heirs. Two, fellow members. Three, fellow partakers. Okay? Now, I don't know about you. That's earth-shattering. Chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at the time... Okay, he's talking about the Gentiles who are not saved. At the time, separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers in the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's where you were. No hope separated But now you're with Christ. You were separated. 
but now your fellow heirs. You know what that literally means? You have the same legal status. They, they will receive the same inheritance. Okay? In chapter 1, I'll remind you, in verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 14, given a pledge of our inheritance. Verse 18, guess what? The eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of His glory, His inheritance to all of the saints. Three times in chapter 1, Paul tells us that you and I have an inheritance. See, the Jews all knew this. They already knew this. Jews right now are running around waiting on Messiah. The Jews want... The Jews are like, you know, well, you know, President Trump says that Jerusalem is the capital. We knew that. It's been that way as long as we can remember. And it was told to us that God said, that's going to be your capital. They understood it. Now Paul shares this news to the Gentiles. Why? They are heirs of the same inheritance. Did you get that? The Gentiles have the same inheritance as the Jews. Did you ever think about that? Oh, that ain't right. Because they, they get the land. I read Revelation. They, they get the land that thousand years. That's all. Who rules? Bunch of goofy Gentiles. That's us. Where is the new Jerusalem? Kansas. See? We've got to get a hold of this. It doesn't matter who you are as a Christian. Your fellow heirs in Christ. All Christians have every right of the same inheritance, the same legal status. Share the same spiritual blessings. Same, share, share the same Spiritual riches. Everything that was promised to Israel, that are promised to Israel. Do you? That just kind of freaks me out. I don't care what anybody says. It's kind of like being in Him. I want you to think about it. Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-nine. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. Heirs according to the promise. Okay, so whatever was promised to Abraham, guess what? Which is really kind of cute if you think about it, because I like the, the humor that Abraham was a Gentile, a.k.a. father of the Jews. I think that's awesome. I will tell you this, don't say that to a Jew. <laughs> say it when you get to heaven. Not down here. Some of them take that stuff kind of personally. Gentiles entered into that covenant. If you look at that text. For you are all sons of God, verse 26, through faith in Christ Jesus. 
That's how you get into that covenant. Look at history. God did a few things for the Jewish people. Don't you think? Yeah? He promised them an awful lot of things. Paul comes along, tells the Gentiles that every single thing that the Lord promised the Jews is yours. You enter into the covenant of Abraham by faith, not by your race. Okay? Secondly, you are fellow members. Okay? You're the same body. Gentiles share in the same body. It's the same common life. You who are gathered here right now, who are truly saved, share the same body. I look at it, to use today's understanding, you and I who are truly saved, share the same spiritual DNA. That same DNA is flowing through every believer. That is the oneness. You and I can't produce that. It's just there. Okay. Now listen, the battle is still going on. I shared with you completed Jews. But the message is simple. There is no distinction. There is no separation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 14... For even as the body is one, yet there are many members, all the members of the body, though we are many, are one body, so also is Christ. By one spirit you were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. But not only are you one body, you are fellow partakers. Same blessing status. Every one of us. That's why Paul tells us, you will grieve with those who are grieving, and you will rejoice with those who rejoice. We partake of the same promises. It's ours in Christ, in Him Jew and even Gentile. Listen, any people where there is division, animosity, aren't in the same body. I uh, have some friends who are in the IDF, uh, the Israeli Defense Force, who are believers, okay? Strong believers. And I think with everybody trying to kill you, you probably ought to be a strong believer. And I had a friend of mine, they have... uh, that big caterpillar bulldozer, what is it, D9? Okay, thing is huge. I mean, you look, you know, well, you got to get a helicopter to drop you into the top of that thing. But they use that. That is the most feared thing that Hamas has. They, they fear that more than anything. Because what they do, if they find somebody does a terrorist act in Israel, they locate their house, and this thing chugs down the street, turns left, and flattens their house. And, you know, then chug back up the street and leaves. And you can't do anything about it. I mean, they shoot at it. It's all armor-plated. The thing is huge. I've seen one. Okay? Now, i got a friend who drives one of those things. Okay? He's a believer. Okay? He's following orders. 
The Israeli says, hey, you go down the left and take a right on, you know, Habib Street and flatten that house, okay? <laughs> and you're off and running. Okay? You know what he does when he goes in? He's on a cell phone. You know what he's doing? He's calling the Palestinian believers and telling them where he's at and to stay out of the area. There is peace between the Jews and the Palestinians. But it's those who are in Christ. I mean, that's fascinating to me. And he just smiles at me. And I think it's just a norm for the, the Jewish people. He's just very nonchalant. He says, you know, they really appreciate it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Help me get my Audi on of no parking zone. <laughs> okay? But it happens. All of the divisions, all of the animosity, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all of the stuff that we stir up is eliminated on the basis of Christ. We are all one in Christ. Mankind is fighting everywhere. You don't believe me? Turn the news on. It doesn't matter where. It's everywhere. It's it's everywhere. I mean, you'd think. Anyway. We have violence everywhere. We have schools that have violence in it. When I went to school, everybody had a gun when hunting season was on. And nobody ran around shooting each other. Neighborhoods are in violence. Countries are fighting each other. It's everywhere. And you know what? There's only one hope. He's already laid it out here. It is through the gospel. It's through the gospel. But here is one problem. If we who know Jesus Christ have this unity and we don't show it, then the world thinks we are no different than they are. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 3. Being diligent. You know what that means, right? Got to work at it. Being diligent to preserve the unity. Do you see that word preserved? You know what that means? It's already there. Preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace. Now listen, this is only done one way, one way only. By humbling ourselves before God. I shared the Sunday school class, I did a leadership thing. And one of the questions that the guys have to go on, go home for a week on, is I want you to write me out a definition of humility. Okay, so they come back. And everybody's got good, very good, very good definitions of humility. But eventually, one of them will ask me, Terry, what's your definition of humility? And I said, that's easy. The complete absence of pride. Because humility and pride cannot exist together in any container. Oil and water. The more you study the person of Jesus Christ, the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more humble you'll see yourself. When humble, you know what? You can love somebody else. Even if they need a shower. (laughs) 
See, that is the mind of Christ. So we are fellow heirs. We are fellow members. We are fellow partakers. And it is all possible and only possible in Christ through the gospel, the end of verse 6. Through the gospel. And I shared with you the gospel. Genesis to Revelations. There'll never be unity apart from that. Because of that, there is unity. Okay? You don't have to... The big thing right now that that the church is bought into is... uh, What did they call it? Demographic studies. Okay? It's funny because when I meet with these other pastors, they do not bring that up to me. (laughs) It's, It's cute. Okay? But that's what they're doing. All right. We got a church here in town, you know, it is solely for people who homeschool. What's that about? I'm going to start a church that's only for those who are in public school. There, I'll fix you. Do you see what I, that but that's well, I, we don't want anybody over 39. So you're going to have to retrain all these clowns. I like older people. You know why? They make me feel younger. No. <laughs> they have some miles under them. Okay? And it just don't make sense to go learn something the hard way when someone else can tell you. That's the hard way. Okay? The other day I changed a tire on a motorcycle and I told you guys about it and you laughed about it. You know what it was? It's the hard way. I had changed it with a sawzall. Well, how'd you do that? My tire machine broke. And I was committed. And if you cut it with the sawzall, then you're really committed. It's not like you're going to patch it. Okay? I will tell you something. If you ever change a motorcycle tire, do not use a sawzall. Okay? Wisdom. All right? I can help you out. I can help you out. I don't believe in demographics. I want young, I want old, I want new believers, I want old believers, I want immature believers, I want weak believers, I want mature believers, I want people who say, you know what, I want to walk with my Lord. I want to breathe His air. There'll never be unity apart from the gospel. There'll never be unity when we put up barriers. Can't have it. Positionally, if you're a believer this day, you're a fellow heir, you're a fellow member, and you're a fellow partaker, because Christ made it so, and He did it through His gospel. And that should be just enough for each and every one of us to stand up and do our little happy dance. That ought to go well for people who listen to me internationally, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll close with that one. Let us pray. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, I get so thrilled looking at this, but I know that I'm not doing it in justice. But Father, I ask you to teach my friends, my brothers and my sisters. This is so massive. I see the enthusiasm in the Apostle Paul it just stirs me in such a way that I can't hardly stand myself and yet my king there it is black and white in front of me 
we are one in you. You have shown me in my life a whole bunch of different places where this is so true. I pray that the people that I serve with daily, shoulder to shoulder, will you will show them and their enthusiasm for enthusiasm for the body of Jesus Christ would grow with every breath you grace. Father, let us walk in a manner worthy. To you, my King, my Lord, my Savior. Amen.